are Locked On Sun Devils, your daily podcast on the Arizona State Sun Devils. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome back to the Locked On Sun Devils podcast. My name is Richie Bradshaw, and I will be your guide for everything Arizona State Sun Devils. Thank you guys so much for making us your first listen every day. Remember, we're free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, if you would like to check us out in a visual platform. But wherever you get your podcast, make sure that you hit notifications so that you get an update whenever we put out a new podcast, which is Monday through Friday, covering the Arizona State Sun Devils football and basketball teams and a little bit of everything else in between. If you're on Twitter, go ahead and make sure you follow me at RichieBrads36 for all sorts of fun tweets about the Sun Devils and a little bit of everything in between. Make sure you follow the podcast as well at LO underscore Sun Devils. You don't want to miss any of the content that we put out. Let's go ahead and dive into today's conversation. Today, of course, talking about the Pac-12 and a more wider, broader scope compared to what we normally do. So I I typically am focused on the Arizona State Sun Devils. Now, who would have thought, you know, the Lockdown Sun Devils podcast is focused on the Arizona State Sun Devils. This isn't breaking news, right? But we are going to be talking about the Arizona State Sun Devils. We're also going to be talking about the rest of the Pac-12. Looking at the football aspect of, of the Pac-12, the over-unders have been pushed out courtesy of our great friends over at Bet Online, who you guys definitely need to check out. We'll be talking about them a little later on in the podcast. But they placed their over-unders for the Pac-12 win-loss totals in 2021, or 2022, excuse me. And I was taking a look, and it, it to me, I didn't want to just talk about ASU this time. I wanted to talk about all the teams, just kind of like rapid-fire power through all of them. But first, I do want to look at Arizona State. I feel like that's that is the one that that we need to focus on at least for the first portion of the podcast and then when we return for the second and third segments, we'll go ahead and talk about the rest of the Pac-12. But per bet online, Arizona State set at five and a half wins. Taking the over, taking the under here, Feels a little risky. I'm not sure how I feel about definitively saying that Arizona State is going to finish with more than, you know, five and a half wins or less than five and a half wins. I think that's a pretty good spot. I I feel confident in taking the over, just not in a sense of like, I'm going to put a house payment down on it. Now, if they had moved it up to six and a half, which is what Vegas Insider actually has for Arizona State is Arizona State at six and a half wins. That I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole. That just feels like six feels like the best case scenario for Arizona State. And it, it feels like they could definitely fall flat and finish much worse than that. But six and a half is tough. For bet online, they're five and a half. I like taking the over. I don't love taking the over. I think that there's good potential there, I would say. Uh, going going ahead and diving into my analysis of it, I, I feel like it's pretty pretty straightforward and pretty common knowledge by now as to my opinions on the Arizona State Sun Devils team at this point. So 
as of right now, as it stands, it really, to me, is going to come down to the play of Emory Jones because the rest of the team is going to have to find a way to step up and replace some big-time contributors. The The defense is missing Jermaine Lole and Eric Gentry from the transfer portal. You just lost Chase Lucas and Jack Jones and Darian Butler to the NFL draft. You lost tons of other guys, too. DJ Davidson and uh, Tyler Johnson are in the NFL now. You have guys like, uh, uh, oh my goodness, what's his name? Uh, DeAndre Pierce is gone. Evan Fields is gone. You you got tons of guys who ran out of eligibility on the defensive side of the ball. Now, thankfully, you did bring back Merlin Robertson and uh, uh, Kyle Sully, but you, you also are looking at a, a pretty fresh, brand new defense right now. So you're hoping to get, honestly, like an average defense. Feels like a huge win and best case scenario for the team. Offensively, you know, you, you lose Rashad White to the NFL. You lose Chip Traynham to the transfer portal. You have Daniel Nagata coming back. You bring in Zazavian Valaday. The run game still feels like it should be a strength. The passing attack wasn't exactly looked at as a strength for the team heading into this year, and it certainly is not going to be after the departures of LV Bunkley Shelton, Ricky Pearsall, uh, Johnny Wilson, jo uh, Jordan Porter, and many, many other guys. Curtis Hodges, of course, going to the NFL. Now Brian Thompson is back. It eh, excuse me. Brian Thompson is back for, you know, like his 10th season in college football. Andre Johnson returns. You're hoping to get anything out of some of the other guys on the roster. But the passing game definitely not going to be a strength of the team. So I'm looking, I'm looking at Emory Jones. And I'm I'm hoping to see this potential that he showed off at Florida to be a game changer as a run or not a running back, excuse me, but as, as a mobile quarterback and somebody who can stretch the field a little bit because he is a confident passer. He's not a guy who's, who's really afraid of any level of the field. And in the meantime, dude's a playmaker. He's electric. He's electrifying. You know, he puts heat in the seats. I want to see that Emory Jones can really embrace a program that is desperate for star power play right now. I think that he is capable of it. And it, to me, it really is just going to come down to the play of Emory Jones and whether or not he is good enough to uplift this program. The coaching staff is definitely under fire right now, particularly Herm Edwards with both the coordinators gone and plenty of other guys leaving as well. It's largely falling on Herm Edwards' shoulders to have to pick up the slack here and prove that he is worthy of continuing to be the head coach for the Arizona State Sun Devils. Like, there's, there's not a lot of room for error here for him. He needs to... He needs to win right now or he's gone. This is probably his last year at Arizona State if he is not able to get to that six-win margin. You know, he's got to be bowl eligible, and more than likely, he needs a winning record. I don't know if getting to a bowl game at 6-6 six and six and then losing the bowl game to end your season at 6-7 and seven is good enough to retain him. So, Herm is in a win-now situation, which is precisely the reason that Emory Jones is more than likely going to be your starting quarterback is because he's going to give you the best chance to win right now. So the situation that the Sun Devils are in, 
five and a half for Ben Online. I think I'm taking the over because of everything that's going into it. If you did not have Emery Jones, I'm confidently taking the under. But with Emery, I feel good enough to take the over. I, I'll say confident with some quotation marks, and I say it very loosely. Because six wins feels like a best-case scenario for the Sun Devils. Anything more than six wins, I feel like either you're overachieving or, goodness gracious, you definitely had some amazing backups who were ready to take on full-time roles. I'm not trying to doubt these guys. I'm just trying to set a realistic expectation for them. I'm not, I'm not sitting here and looking at the secondary and saying, oh, man, you know, none of these guys have a lot of experience. We're going to get torched. It's it's more or less like, I don't know if it's fair to say we're going to pick up where we left off. Same with the pass rush, same with the offensive line and the wide receivers. You just need to set realistic expectations. That doesn't mean that you're knocking these guys. It doesn't mean that you're saying they're incapable of being producers. It's just tempering those expectations. So, again, five and a half wins. I'll take the over. Six and a half, I'm not touching it. If you force me to, I'd probably take the under. I'm not confident in a seven to eight win season out of Arizona State right now. I feel very, very safe with a six and six team. I think that's best case scenario. And I think that that's a fair scenario for Arizona State because they're still a good team. They're still a quality team. This is not a garbage team the way that a lot of people seem to be pegging them to be. But with that in mind, this also is not a team that you should be looking at and saying, you know, that this is a Pac-12 contender. That's not the situation. But neither here nor there. Let's go ahead and wrap up the first segment. When we return, we're going to go ahead and hop into five teams that are ahead of Arizona State for their over-under win totals in 2022. We'll talk about those in just a moment on the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. This episode of the Locked on Sun Devils is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer and choosing the only brand that their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more on the same parts from a chain store or car dealership. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years with prices reliably low for every customer. With everything that you could need for your car, ranging from brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find a solution to all your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. And again, thank you guys so much for making the Locked On Sun Levels your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Taking a look now at the rest of the Pac-12 over-under win totals. We're going to go through the five teams that are ahead 
of the Arizona State Sun Devils, and starting at the top is USC with a whopping nine and a half wins projected for them. Now, I think that USC could be a very good team this year. It's hard not to think that when Lincoln Riley is going to be your brand new head coach and Lincoln Riley, one of the five best coaches in college football and proving to be so during his time with the Oklahoma Sooners. I mean, not just as their head coach, but as their offensive coordinator. He he was instrumental for the Heisman Trophy winning seasons of Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield when they won those in back-to-back years. And Jalen Hurts was a, another Heisman uh, finalist during his time there. You know, he was responsible for D.D. Westbrook winning the Bolitnikoff Award and Hollywood Brown and C.D. Lamb being first-round picks. I mean, Lincoln Riley has been the the orchestrator for so many good things on that offense, and the defense was solid while he was there as well. So going to USC, and with everything he's bringing with him, he's bringing Caleb Williams, his quarterback. He's bringing, you know, he's got uh, uh, Jordan Addison, the, the, the reigning Bolitnikoff winner at wide receiver from uh, Pittsburgh, is coming now. So... And there's plenty of other weapons on that roster, too, that are going to be stepping up. They have another transfer receiver whose name I can't remember at the moment. Uh, I believe he's an Oklahoma guy. He's a little smaller dude, too. Can't remember his name. You guys will have to forgive me. But point is, this is like a dynamite offense with a very good defense as well. They've got plenty of guys returning. So nine and a half, I feel like that's a good set for bet online. I think I take the under just because I'm not ready to go full send on Lincoln Riley being the savior at USC, not in his first year. I don't think USC was, is ready to get back to national title contention, which is where an over on nine and a half wins is going to get you. You win 10 games, you're going to be A, probably winning the Pac-12, and B, you win your conference, you have an outside shot to get to the college football playoff, and USC is not there yet. In my opinion, I could very easily be wrong because Lincoln Riley is one of the five best coaches in college football, maybe one of the three best. So I'll take the under. But I do think USC is very, very good. Utah at 8.5. This one I'm actually going to take the over. Utah has Cameron Rising coming back. They have the consistency throughout the, the remainder of the roster. That has me confident enough to say, yeah, you know what? This team is going to win quite a handful of games. I feel like they didn't lose all that much. Sure, Devin Lloyd is gone. The guy who should have won the Buckkiss Award last year, but, you know, neither here nor there, unfortunately. But they still have just a massive core of their players coming back, and as long as they are led by their head coach, oh my goodness, what is his name? You guys are going to have, Kyle Whittingham. Kyle Whittingham, as long as Kyle Whittingham is there, I feel confident that Utah is going to compete for the Pac-12, not just the South Division, but the entirety of the Pac-12 every single year. He's as good a head coach as they come. So eight and a half, I'm taking the over. Honestly, I'm taking it confidently. I think Utah is a nine, maybe even a 10 win team. Oregon at eight and a half. Again, I feel like that's a pretty good set. I think you have to take the over here because they're in the Pac-12 North and there really just is not going to be that much competition in the North. It's Oregon and everybody else. I do like Washington to really come back from a really bad season. I think that Washington State is still going to be a tough out. Oregon State, probably not. I I think Oregon State is due for a setback. Stanford, I don't think they're that great. Cal, they're okay. So it really is Oregon and everybody else. 
I like Oregon to topple that eight and a half mark. I'm not the biggest believer in Bo Nix, but and plus they have to replace uh, uh, Mario Cristobal, their head coach. So losing your head coach to the University of Miami and having an incoming transfer quarterback is going to be a test for Oregon. But I do think that, unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, I don't hate Oregon. I think this is a test that they are more than capable of passing. So I, I will take Oregon over eight and a half wins. UCLA now eight and a half wins. This also feels like a really good set. Shocker that Vegas knows what they're doing. But with Chip Kelly being a quality head coach and Dorian Thompson Robinson returning, I feel like UCLA is going to be in contention for the Pac-12, the whole conference. Like to me, these four teams we've just talked about, USC, Utah, Oregon, UCLA, that is the pinnacle of the Pac-12. I could see any of those four teams winning it. Everyone after that, including Arizona State, is a crapshoot. But UCLA, I still think they're a very good football team as well, as long as Dorian Thompson-Robinson is leading that offense. Eight and a half. Oh, man, that's that's so tough. If, I, if, you, if you force me to pick, I would take the under, just because USC and Utah are in the South. I believe they have to play Oregon this year. That could be three losses right there, which drops you to nine and three. And I don't think you're going to sweep the remainder of the South. I think Arizona State's going to be tough. I think U of A is going to be a lot tougher than people realize. Uh, not worried about Colorado. And Arizona State, I, yeah, I said they're going to be tough. So I don't know. Like, I, I don't see them going forward to in the South Division. I think that the South could probably split the series with them and go 3-3. Three and three. I Like I said, I'm pretty sure they play Oregon this year, and if that's the case, then I don't know. It, it's going to be a very tough game for them. But 8.5, I, I think I'm taking the under. I'm just not confidently taking the under. Now, this one is very interesting to me with Washington sitting at 7.5. I'm taking the under only because... They would have to significantly improve from last year. Now, last year they were a four and eight football team, and they were just flat out bad across the board. I mean, they really didn't have very much going on offense, and their defense, while it was quality, is losing a lot. I mean, they lost their two best defensive players, both in the secondary, ironically enough, with Trent McDuffie and Kyler Gordon being gone to the NFL. But I also realized that this is a young team, you know. Dylan Morris looked like a confident passer as a redshirt freshman for them. And they have other young playmakers. They have Jalen McMillan, who's going into his redshirt sophomore year, who registered a, a team leading 470 yards in a very down year for them. I think there's a lot of young potential here for them to make a comeback and find a way to be competitive. Seven and a half, like, I don't think. I'm confident enough to take that over under. But I do think Washington bounces back. I think they're probably around a six-win team. So I'm going to go ahead and take the under. And yeah, I seven and a half seems pretty rich for me, for a team that's coming off a four and eight record. But I do think Washington is in store for a big time bounce back. Let's go ahead and wrap up this second segment. When we return for the third and final segment, we're going to go ahead and break down the... Six teams that are sitting behind Arizona State, sitting with or behind Arizona State, I should say, 
for their over-under projected win totals and assessing them the same way we've assessed the rest of the Pac-12. This is the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. And one more time, thank you guys so much for making the Locked On Sun Levels your first listen every day. Make sure that you check out the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast. Raphael Barlow, Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, and Lee Thulin give fans an in-depth look into the biggest prospects, the latest player rankings, and of course, big boards. Follow Locked On NBA Big Board every day on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. We're going to go ahead and wrap this up pretty much rapid fire now with the six teams that are either tied with Arizona State for their over-under win total or below Arizona State. First up, Cal, the Golden Bears, sitting with a five and a half over-under win total for them. I think that Cal is proven themselves to be a good enough team in the Pac-12. They're coming off a 5-7 and seven record now, and I, I, I don't know. I feel like this isn't some world-beater team again, so I think that this is a good, a good range for them. I think that, you know, 5.5 seems like a really, really good set for them. Looking at their roster, you know, they've got they've got a lot of reloading to do. Chase Garber is their quarterback is off to the NFL. And after him, Ryan Glover is their second most or not their second. No, nope, he's gone too. How about that? So they they do they got a lot of working to do from the from the quarterbacking room. Now they do have some options offensively. Uh, Kikoa Crawford, I believe, is going to be their leading receiver. No, he is also gone. Yeah, the offense is probably going to be a mess if we're taking a look at what they have. There's a lot of seniors that are no longer with the program. Uh, defensively, they do have some playmakers that are back as well, and I think that they should be able to find a way to be competitive. I believe you pronounce this linebacker's name Mulo Mulu Iosefa. I'm not a hundred percent sure. He's their leading tackler returning this year. 49 tackles, 6-4 loss a year ago. They just they're they're having to replace a lot. There's a lot of seniors that are gone from the program now. And five and a half seems probably best case scenario for them. I am gonna go ahead and take the under because they have to replace so so, so, so much of that roster. It's just, it's gone now. And I'm not trying to, you know, be a hater of the team, this, that, and the other, but it's just, I don't, I don't think it's a very good situation for the Cal Golden Bears. I think they're definitely in store for a pretty, pretty, not even a significant step back because it's not like they were anything, you know, dominant a year ago with a 5-7 roster. I think I am taking the under, though, unfortunately. 
Looking at the next team now, we have Oregon State. Oregon State definitely was a nice surprise for the Pac-12 a year ago, finishing the year 7-6. and six, And I believe second place in the North. I think that this is a quality team here. Now, they are going to have to figure out a way to survive the loss of Chase Nol or Chance Nolan, excuse me. No, he's back. I, I don't know who I'm thinking of. So Chance Nolan is back, and that's a really good get for them because he was a solid quarterback for them a year ago. Who am I thinking of? I'm thinking about their, their running quarterback, aren't I? The, uh, Jack Coletto. Coletto is gone. I know that for sure. Jack Coletto is gone. He's coming off a year where he rushed for eight touchdowns, and I think he had eight of those against Arizona State, you know, something like that. But they're, they're going to have to figure out a way to be productive with losing a lot of their weapons. I believe B.J. Baylor is in the final year of his eligibility. He's coming off a season where he rushed for over 1,300 yards for the team. Uh, tre uh, tre Trevin, good, goodness gracious, Trevin Bradford, their leading receiver, receiver, I can't even talk right now, who had played a whopping six seasons for the team, is gone. So I think you're going to have to find a way to rely on your ground game while you try and figure this out. Uh, Treshawn, Treshawn Harrison, their second leading receiver, also gone. So got to lean on that run game. The good news is B.J. Baylor is really, really good. Uh, defensively, I think this is a solid team, not a dominant team. Their leading sack artist from a year ago, bear with me, um, Andre Zage Hughes-Murray. I know I totally butchered his first name, and I apologize, but he's gone. And that's six sacks out the window for them, and it's not like they had a lot after that. I'm not collectively going to do the math right now. But they're going to have to figure out a way to replicate good enough success on the defensive side of the ball. I don't know if they are going to be able to do that, quite frankly. But I do think that their offense is going to still be a very quality unit for them. I think that five and a half, another good set. I think I take the under because I think five is probably right about where I would expect them to finish. Washington State, another interesting team here. Because they're losing their quarterback, Jaden Delora. Delora transferring to another Pac-12 team that we're going to talk about here in a little bit. Just in case you were sleeping under a rock and missed what happened to them. But Jaden Delora is gone. That is, you know, anything but ideal for them. Uh, returning for them is, goodness gracious, I feel like I'm going to totally butcher this. No, he's gone. Victor Victor Galibus, I believe, is their is their returning quarterback. Yes, and he he completed under fifty percent of his passes last year, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. But Victor Galibus, good lord, Mister Bradshaw, Victor Gabalus is going to be their returning quarterback. Uh, Max Borgie is gone for sure. There's no way he can be back, and if he is, then I don't know what I'm talking about. Maybe he might have had one more year of eligibility, if I'm being honest. But if Borgie is gone, their star running back, they're going to have to figure something out. Because they don't have Dion McIntosh, who was probably the... I don't know if I'd go the better of the running backs, but he was the one who, who took it to Arizona State 
at the only game that I made it out to last year. Calvin Jackson Jr., I believe, is gone. Yeah, he, he was a three-year senior. Calvin Jackson gone. Travell Harris, I believe, is also gone. He may be back with a with a COVID year, but I could be incorrect on that. But their passing attack is a very good chance to take a step backwards. And if Max Borgie is indeed gone from the team, then it it's it's going to be a year of trying to figure out Borgie is in fact gone. I had to double check. Trying to figure out who your guy is going to be on the offensive side of the ball because Calvin Jackson was thirteen yards shy, thirteen yards shy of being a thousand yard receiver. Max Borgie rushed for eight hundred and eighty yards and twelve touchdowns. So it's going to be a very difficult season for them to rebound. So five and a half feels reasonable. I'm taking the under just because I don't know how confident I am in them to overachieve. Looking at Stanford next, sitting at four and a half over under. I'm taking the over here. Stanford coming at a, off a three and nine season. I feel like that's just an anomaly for them because I still believe that their head coach, David Shaw, remains one of the better coaches in college football. I understand that, you know, they've taken a pretty big step back since the days of Andrew Luck and uh, Kevin Hogan, but. You know, Tanner McKee was a solid quarterback last year. Remember, he he was like a like seven touchdowns, zero interceptions, or like ten touchdowns, zero interceptions at one point last year before running into Arizona State and just getting torn apart. I'm not putting it out of the realm of possibilities that he can't get back to that form. I think that Tanner McKee is a very good quarterback, and I think that you know he should be able to rebound from what was a pretty devastating season to, to for the second half of the year, at least. I think Stanford can find a way to get back on the right track. The problem is he's he's not going to have a lot of guys to help him. Uh, Nathaniel Pete is the returning running back for them, but he only had 400 yards a year ago. Uh, wide receiver uh, Benjamin Yurasek is back as well. Uh, their top tight end. He's coming off a 658-yard season. Stanford throws tight ends around like it's nobody's business. Eurosec is probably going to end up being an NFL draft prospect by the end of the year. Defensively, you know, they they really were not that great last year. They weren't forcing turnovers in the turnover department. And across the board, just underwhelming. Putting it very, very politely. I think that Stanford is in for a bounce-back year, though. Setting the over-under at 4.5, I think confidently. I'm going to go ahead and take Stanford to get the over with, you know, five, six, maybe nah, five or six wins probably feels like a cap unless Tanner McKee just absolutely goes and tears it up. Next, we have Colorado at three and a half. Going to go ahead and say that's a good one, but I'm going to take the under. Colorado is not a good football team at all. I know that they were very, very competitive with Texas A&M last year in Boulder, and they took them down to the wire. But I don't look at Colorado as a quality football team. They've got a good quarterback with Brendan Lewis, who's you know only going into his redshirt sophomore season. But the rest of the roster, I feel pretty underwhelmed with. It is a pretty young roster, all things considered. 
Jarek Broussard, I believe is how you say his name. The leading rusher is returning. Uh, top tight end, Brady Russell, their leading receiver, is back as well. Defensively, they were able to get you know a little bit going here and there, but nothing that really stands out to me. They do have quite a bit returning, though. I mean, this is going to be a roster that's, you know, more on the veteran side. They have a lot of uh, uh, juniors and seniors that are coming back, but I just don't look at this at this team and see some kind of killer, you know, shock the world roster here. I think that Colorado, in a best-case scenario, is the fifth-best team in the Pac-12 South, in a best-case scenario. Taking the under there. Finally, U of A. I love to see it as a two and a half over under win team, but I'm confidently taking the over here for for the Wildcats. And the biggest reason is because of Jaden Delora. Now, Delora, the transfer quarterback from uh, Wazoo that I had just mentioned earlier, coming off a year where he completed 63% of his passes. Through 23 touchdowns to just nine interceptions, and tallied on three more touchdowns on the ground. He is a quality passer and a massive upgrade for U of A over what they had last year, considering not a single quarterback that they started had more touchdowns than interceptions. They had Will Plummer, was very, very, very underwhelming. They had Gunnar Cruz, not great. Jordan McLeod, not great. They they were just atrocious in the passing game. Even in the run game, their leading rusher was 385 yards. And Drake Anderson, I understand, is going into his fifth season as a redshirt, redshirt junior or something like that. But I, I, I don't know. I feel like it's hard to be worse than what you were last year as a 1-11 football team. Like, all signs should be pointing to trending in the right direction. Two and a half wins seems more than doable for U of A. I feel as confident as any of the other predictions that I have made so far for U of A to get over their win total. Two and a half seems very, very doable for a team that should be pretty pissed off from such an atrocious season. You know, call a spade a spade. I think that they're in for rebound season. I don't want to see it, but I think it's going to happen. So U of A, if 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 you are looking for the approval of a Sun Devils fan for some stupid reason, then you've got it because of Jade Melora. I'll tell you right now, you're not beating us this year, though. So you can go ahead and count on a six straight loss to Arizona State. But that is going to go ahead and wrap up this edition of the Locked On Sun Devils podcast. Thank you guys so much for making us your first listen every day. Remember, we're free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, if you want to check us out on a visual platform. But wherever you get your podcasts, make sure you turn those notifications on so you never miss an episode. Monday through Friday, Arizona State Sun Devils football and basketball and a little bit of everything in between. If you're on Twitter, go ahead and give me a follow at RichieBrads36 and follow the podcast while you're there as well at LO underscore Sun Doubles. And until next time, guys, you keep it locked right here on Locked on Sun Doubles.